Hello and welcome to another episode of the Plastics Podcast. Happy holidays to wherever we're reaching you. You're joined by me, Jacob Burke, and my co-host, Blair LaCrosse. What's up? It's me. Producer Maddie Gaylor is home for the holidays, so while the girls are away, the boys will play. And you're in for a boys-only episode this week. With COVID dropping fixtures left and right, only a few games were on this game week. Arsenal padded their points into the top four against Leeds. Manchester City comfortably cruised against Newcastle, and Tottenham-Liverpool came to a draw in a card-filled match. Also, we watched Sevilla Atletico in what can diplomatically be described as a chess match of a game. This and some listener questions is what we bring to you this week. Blair, I see you have a new and hot and sexy-looking shirt. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jacob. (laughs) Yeah, I shop at... uh men's warehouse okay i love uh, the way you look (laughs) by the way is that men's warehouse or is that joseph a bank joseph a bank yeah yeah we we are not sponsored by any of these people the bankster yeah Yeah. what year 93 94 okay the the golden years i want to say so yeah the golden years with the golden guys uh yeah um for those of you who are watching on the youtube uh, by the way, we, we hit a record high of eight views last week. Oh man, <laughs> our lofty heights. So for all five of you, uh, you can see that Blair is sporting a vintage Arsenal long sleeve. He's got the old crest with what looks to be an emblem with the, with the Arsenal uh, cannon. And then I think is it stars in the background? It looks like, like dog footprints almost. Okay. That makes no sense. But they're like arrows with little dots in front of them, I guess. I actually don't know what that is. Okay. Looking at this more. Yeah. Um, and what does the ribbon on the bottom say? Victoria. Concordia. Okay. Uh, Blair's Dra- got a- oh. <laughs> Wait. He's got-, <laughs> He's got a lot of background knowledge yes. on this. Arsenal, I know so uh, much about this. Crest. Yeah. Uh, JVC with the sponsor. It's um, like Adidas. Shout out. Hell yeah. Get a camcorder um, from yeah, JVC. Wait, waiting for that shoe deal. Uh, whenever you're ready, uh, I'll sign the dotted line. Uh, yeah, so other than getting the crazy new jersey, how's your week been? Uh, you've been pretty busy with work. Yeah, dude, I'm walking a lot. I walked like 35 miles this week, which is a lot for me. I think that in one week, I walked as many as I would have during like an entire month in, in lockdown. So it's Victoria Concordia Crush It. <laughs> Victory through harmony in uh, Latin. Okay, so okay, that's more of like a. It could be croissant. I don't know, man. Cres- My croissant? Latin is rough. Yeah, it could be croissant. Croissant. Victory through baked bread. <laughs> yes. Okay. Do not succumb to baked bread in the carbo load. Yes. Uh, it 30, was. A, you said thirty-five miles. Yeah, it was about thirty-five miles. That's actually a lot. I had a couple of seven-mile days, so it was it was freaking busy man but it was good it was good i got i'm getting out more which is a healthy thing i think a new development in my life activity <laughs> who would have thought of? yes while he's uh while he's not watching soccer he is uh, keeping the streets safe by walking all of the streets yes that's exactly i'm, I'm patrolling i'm on, <laughs> on patrol so that's good well let's uh let's break into um i think something you'll want to talk about 
all of the canceled games this weekend. <laughs> There's been a lot. Uh, I'm counting just uh, just six, just over half of the available matches for this game week. Uh, Manchester United, Brighton, gone. Aston Villa, Burnley, gone. Southampton, Brentford, gone. Watford, Crystal Palace, get out of here. West Ham, Norwich, gone. And Everton, Leicester, gone. Yeah, they're all gone. And... Uh, the Premier League chugs along. It, it is uh, relentless, and it doesn't want to stop, even though I think the recent numbers were around 65% of its players were vaccinated as opposed to the other leagues, which were around the mid to upper 90s of vaccinations. Uh, I mean, I feel like we both agree on this, but that's it's kind of BS to have this uh, vaccination rate so low. Yeah, get your shots, folks, you know? The other leagues didn't really have this problem this weekend. And presumably this Omicron variant is all through Europe. So maybe eventually the leagues, uh, you know, the domestic leagues in Europe will have these issues. But the vaccination rates in the Premier League are paltry and it is embarrassing. Get your get your shots. You, it it you is. Fools. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, for those of you who do not pay attention to U.S. based sports, there's been a bit of uh, a rundown with it through the NBA uh, recently. I think uh, for Brooklyn, especially our, our Nets are having a bad time of it. Yeah. Kyrie Irving was announced that he was coming back to play away games where he was eligible. And then subsequently, maybe 20 hours after that was announced, he went into COVID protocols because he tested positive, which is, some might say, the least surprising development in the history of mankind. If there was a, if there's a, if if there was a case for like an ironic, in IRL event, that would be that would be it. Yes, it's like that's just karma. If you could die of irony, <laughs> that that would be a lethal. Gary Irving would have died years ago. A lethal dose yeah. of irony. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. There's not much we can say about it because we aren't the guys that are pulling the strings of this giant money-making, money-printing machine that is the Barclays Premier League. But, I mean, I think it's pretty simple to just put a pause on the fixtures, you know, get everyone vaccinated, and then resume. It's not like this didn't happen last year. Yeah, yeah. And, I don't know, there's, like, all sorts of weird legalistic things that are going on there and yeah, I guess debated things. I don't know. But like, yeah, I mean, for me, it's a clear, it's a clear choice what you should do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think it's political at this point to say that professional players should be vaccinated. Yes. Or just people in general, really. But that's a whole nother, nother can of worms. Yeah. I mean, look at Yashua Kimmich. Doing his own research That's for Dr. so Kimmich long for you. <laughs> that he got the virus. He was too close to it. Joshua Kimmich, MD. He, he was steeped in the research. Yeah. And, and what happened, Jacob? Well, what happened, Blair, was that uh, after months of researching uh, in the lab, obviously, uh, one of the samples must have gotten off the Petri dish yes. and onto his, his person. And, and then he got, he got the Covey's. Yeah, he is now the first silica-based life form on Earth. <laughs> He's like the Sandman. The robot was infected, and Joshua Kimmich got. And then, but but he did uh, credit to him. He he turned his view around. He said publicly that he wants to get vaccinated. So um, he cleared the bare minimum there with at least changing his opinion and announcing it publicly. We allow we allow for growth on this podcast. Yeah, we're not gonna you know we're not gonna crucify people. Uh, and then keep him up there just to, uh, you know, for the sake of it. So, Kimmich, good job. Uh, you can come over anytime. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would still hang out, but you yeah. got to wear a mask. Sorry, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. come on, guy. Yeah, and get me, like, I don't know, a few but, tickets. <laughs> yeah, the Premier League says the spice must flow, Jacob. The spice. How else will they navigate the space lanes? Exactly. Yes. Um, okay, well, we, we, we'll, I was just brief uh, in on that because, I mean, how could you not talk about it with all the games that were canceled? Uh, most of these we were going to watch. Uh, I compiled a list of teams that we hadn't talked about in uh, five episodes of the Premier League, so not counting the <laughs> Champions League uh, episodes. And we had this list, and we weren't able to talk about most of them because most of them were canceled. So this list of fixtures that we watched uh, this weekend were for uh, the ones that were actually available to watch and then the ones we wanted to focus. So we're going to talk about Man City, Newcastle, because we haven't talked about Man City in a while. And I know some of you don't want to talk, most of you don't want to talk about Man City. I get it, but here we are. So let's break into it uh, with Leeds 1, Arsenal 4. Blair, this was quite a convincing performance from Arteta and his band of merry men. <laughs> yes, yes, it was a good win. I was happy with it. I was, I, I, I tweeted on our, our account, which you should follow for mostly my personal thoughts because I mainly run it. But uh, yeah, really, mostly the thoughts of that pot of that of that account are my own. Um, so I don't claim to speak for Jacob in most matters in things. Um, <laughs> But I tweeted that I had consumed too much coffee on an empty stomach and was on edge the entire game. Even though we, we were comfortably in the lead and we were dominating, yeah. I was just like waiting for something bad to happen. We were, uh, the, 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 the gunners were up 3 nothing, and Blair was sitting there with his like hands on his head <laughs> looking at the screen, and I was like, God, you're up 3-0. It's fine. Yeah. You can sit back. Arsenal are very bad on the road. Uh, it's, a, it's a flaw in the team that hopefully we can rectify I think some of the numbers uh, for our strength of schedule on the road and at home at this first half of the season have heavily biased us in favor of home games, meaning that they're easier home get home fixtures and away fixtures. So maybe that'll flip a little bit because we've been very good at the Emirates. But yeah, I was very nervous for this one. So, so four goals, uh, Blair, two of them coming from Martinelli, who was exceptionally brilliant with his runs. Uh, not too eager about the guy. But do you think his partnership up top will be enough to see Aubameyang off into the sunset as Arsenal try to move onward with their uh, their project? Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Aubameyang. He just he needs an alarm clock. He owns some of the fastest cars in the world, so he can't seem to get to practice on time. <laughs> and despite he's that. one of the fastest players. Yeah. In the <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe he needs to take the tube or something. But it's kind of like the the problem for Aubameyang is how the team has responded without him in the lineup. And the first time this happened was in North London Derby and it was at home and Arteta announced before the game that Oba wasn't going to be considered for selection. And it was a big deal. Everyone's freaking out. Cause like, yeah, he's like our guy. I mean, like he hasn't been banging in goals, but like he's the one that we expect to be doing that. And we expect to be showing up in big matches. So, you know, when you make a tough call like that to, to, keep him out of the lineup and out of the team completely, you know, you're sticking your neck out. And in the case of the NLD, you know, we won that game. And in the, in the, in the case of this season, you know, we, we won as well. So, uh, and that was against West Ham, which is a, another big game for us this season. Probably the biggest game we've had actually, I'm not going to lie. So yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a big, big, big choice. And Martinelli's come in and he's done 
really well. So yeah, what do you think about him? Like specifically, he, I, uh, watching it, he really hugged that left side, even though he's kind of this weird hybrid of a winger striker. Yeah. So like when it seems like when when Laka drops deep to facilitate in midfield, uh, Martinelli sort of drifts from left to center um, and tries to occupy that kind of half space between like the center of the pitch and the, and the left wing. So, and we got a goal off of that from a, from a lock of through ball. So, um, you know, that was, that was quite nice. And yeah, I mean, he, the thing about Gabriel Martinelli is that he knows something that deep down every player in the league knows. And it's that goals are what get you Instagram story posts. <laughs> okay. And Gabrielle Martinelli pop in Instagram profile. Gabrielle Martinelli loves nothing more than, than to have so many posts on his Instagram story that it's just little tiny segments all across your screen. It's little pixels. Yeah. And it's all different people sharing the goal and saying like, wow, great goal or like something in, in Portuguese. The guy lives for that kind of glory. And I think, that, I think that's like something that like you kind of want in, if you're like looking to develop an elite goal scorer is like a guy who's just like, I want a fucking goal so badly. I will do anything for it. And on his first goal, I'm, I'm, I'm going overboard with my praise, but on his first goal, he's kind of getting like ridden in the back a little bit and he stays strong and he stays up cause he's like in the box and he could have tried to dive for something, but he doesn't because he knows he's got a good chance of getting a shot off in a dangerous area. And guess what? That's what he does. So um, I'm sorry, that was his second goal, actually, I think. So anyway, um, yeah, it was just a, a great goal scoring performance for him. And the guy just loves to, uh, to, to score. I don't know what else to say. Goals get the girls. So I am looking at his heat map here, and it really is just a, a highlight of the uh, top left of the field in the Leeds final third. So not to get too eager, but it sounds like what you, when you look for a striker, you, you want a guy with a social media addiction to post goal stories. Yes, yes. I was picturing a, like a little 16-bit video game with like each pixel being a part of the story. <laughs> like, like, I just want to get rid of these yeah. notifications. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, I don't know. I, I don't want to like be too, uh, I don't want to go too overboard in the sort of, praise because this was like a heavily heavily injury riddled leads team like yeah we cannot overstate just how damaged that side is right now that's so. a that, that's a good point and that brings me to my next question Blair uh leads they sat back against Arsenal initially uh, which was weird and I think the commentators even noted it um because it just went totally against their mo um and this is uh, this is a this this helter skelter uh, run till you drop uh, play style is what brought them into the Premier League and uh, sitting back really didn't do them favors as the result shows and this is probably a strategy shift with Bielsa having so many players out on injury as you suggested do you think Leeds will be able to pull off a season of survival they're gonna have to adjust and the thing about the lion or not the lions but about Leeds <laughs> shit I'm really sorry <laughs> um, the thing about Leeds is the that the lions could get relegated they would have been relegated by oh, they'd be like fifth tier yeah. like they would the NFL would have moved them to a new city which they could probably do that anyway I don't know anyway the thing about Leeds is that Bielsa like doesn't really want to compromise on his view of how they should play and so, you know, I think you saw some acknowledgement that they just can't do that 
every game with the players they have available to them. So, you know, they they looked a little better, I think, in the second half, uh, sitting deeper. But the the problems for them were when they were coming out, they're just so sloppy when they're losing the ball in the middle of the field and being turned over just in really bad spots that allowed Arsenal to just transition really quickly back into the counter. And they were out of sorts at the back, which they kind of have been all season. So it's just been a it's been a really rough, you know, tour this year for for Leeds in the league. And uh, I don't know, man, I'm worried about them. The, the injuries are they seem to be uh, as contagious as the Omicron. Variant, so. <laughs> uh, for those who for those of you who don't know about Leeds injury situation, uh, Rodrigo is out. Patrick Bamford, Pascal Streak. Uh, Liam Cooper, Calvin Phillips, Jamie Shackleton, Diego Lorenzo, Daniel James, and Charlie Cresswell are all out with either COVID or injuries. And Junior Firpo was suspended that game from a red card. Um, so they were missing basically an entire first team squad. N- you know, credit to them for trying to play well, but I guess, you know, our, they, it was the unfortunate combination of being injured and then Arsenal having a good game. And it just was took them over the top. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, once they get healthier, you know, they I think they were like starting to look better before they had this rash of injuries. So, you know, hopefully once they get healthy, you know, they can maintain that cuz it, it's I don't know, I think Leeds are generally a fun team to watch in the league and there are worse sides that could replace them in the league that I'd rather not have. So, yes. We do wish Bielsa and his boys the best. Final question. The gulf in talent between the starting and backup right back was apparent once Tomiyasu went off the field. Any transfer targets Arsenal should be on the lookout for to improve their roster this January? Uh, Atraf Hakimi, uh, Jao Cancelo, and Trent Alexander-Arnold would be my top choices. (laughs) And all of them are gettable in my opinion. All right. No Kyle Walker in there, huh? I think... I, you know, like Cedric Suarez seems like a fine guy and I don't want to go two footed on him, but he's just not, he just isn't the same player that Tomiyasu is and whatever skill set he brings to the team is, it's not defense. So that's a problem because I think Tomiyasu has been really stout defensively on that right side for us and he's really shored up that side and we saw that once Tomiyasu went off the side broke down and Ben White was forced into a really bad decision that he should not ever have made by giving away a foul in the box and I think Tomiyasu would have done a better job covering him there so yeah it's a big problem and Ainsley Maitland-Miles wasn't available for this game. I don't believe he's played at right back for us before, but I would much rather see him there than than Cedric Suarez because he's just not to the to the same level that we need. So, all right, I'm gonna. This is going to be a, a very. This is not going to be a nuanced question. Yes, it's going to be a series of yeses or nos. Great, and I'm going to read you the bench from this game, and you're going to tell me yes, you'd like to keep the player, or no, you'd like to see them gone. Great. Okay. Get ready for no. Berndolino. <sighs> There's no nuance here. <laughs> He's gone. He's gone anyway, so okay. it's, it's a no. So no. Rob Holding. Yes. Ooh. Callum Chambers. No. Mohamed Elneny. No. Nicola Pepe. 
Oh boy. <laughs> not really. Really? Okay. Not even as a sub. He doesn't get used as a sub. <laughs> okay. He's in the same doghouse that Aubameyang is in, but just on the bench instead. Okay. Glaring at Arteta's <laughs> back. Edward Nketiah. He's gone. His contract's up. Nuno Tavares. Yes. ESR. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Cedric Suarez. No. Okay. Uh, if we can tally those up, um, let's say no from Burned. Yes. No. Yes. Three, four, five, six no's. Yeah, it's, it's. I hope that's right, Maddie. I'm gonna. I, I, hope, <laughs> I can't remember exactly. Uh, so what I'm what I'm hearing is uh, Arteta and the scouting team have a lot of work to do to fill in these uh, these backup gaps that Arsenal probably do need to become a title winning squad or to push for top four. Uh, you know, even top two. Um, cause I, I believe the squad they have right now, if you look at the starting lineup, it's quite good. Um, especially the, the narrative has, uh, gradually, but steadily shifted, um, from Arsenal as a meme team to Arsenal as an up and coming young team full of very promising players, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, they, you didn't run this weird gauntlet that Manchester's, uh, United or Chelsea did with their player managers. Uh, former player managers, excuse me. So um, I think this is something that Arsenal can take away as a positive, this result, uh, one to four. And going forward, uh, you know, their new goal now is to maintain this top four finish, uh, you know, uh, and then maybe because um, they, they don't they don't have the same fixture congestion as the other teams that are still in Europe. I believe so this is great for them and this is something that the fans can use as a pick-me-up going into the holiday gauntlet yeah so I mean I mean yeah being as high as you can be in the table obviously is a good thing for us uh there's a lot of teams that have games in hand because of canceled fixtures and things like that so all Arsenal can really do is just keep winning and gaining as many points as they can obviously but they're doing it which is nice. So we'll see if they can continue that trend. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's looking, things, things are looking pretty good, but it's a roller coaster ride with this team. So we'll see if they can maintain it. Great. Great. We're moving on. Moving on to Newcastle. Zero. Man City. Four. So, I mean, that's only a goal difference between the game we just talked about, Blair, but this feels... Like a totally different uh, result, honestly. Manchester City, the team we're going to talk about here mainly, are convincing in almost every single aspect. Uh, I am scared of them. Yes. And they show no signs of slowing down. No, they don't. Uh, me and Blair don't like talking about Manchester City because the results that they put forward can be summed up in pretty much the same way almost every game. Uh, there's really nothing new with this team because they are an efficient machine. They have a large selection of squad members that could all fit onto a first team. They play in a system that is designed to really uh, attack really any team. 
and it, it, it can be all done in the same way. But talk about them we must because they are the champions to beat. So let's break it down with some players that stood out to me personally. Uh, most obviously, Joao Cancelo uh, having a, a career-defining season as a right-back for Pep's team. Almost a, a midfielder at this point with the way he's able to dribble in uh, direct play and create, play, like, create passes out of nowhere, really. Uh, he scored. He scored by dribbling through two Newcastle players. Maybe not through, but because Newcastle's defense was absolutely awful uh, this game. <laughs> but he scored from outside the box. You mentioned that you'd like him on Arsenal, obviously. But uh, do you got anything else to comment? Because he really had just, he was everywhere. And he like, even defensively, um, he got, I think, 15 fantasy points this yeah. match. Plus three bonus points, which is nice. Wow. It's a good haul. Good haul. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, any comment? I'm going to try and bring up a heat map to really see where he went today. Joao Cancelo's tenure at Manchester City is fascinating uh, because he was like, he was bought and then benched basically for a long time. I don't remember exactly the duration, but I think there are even some rumors that. City might try to like do a swap for like Nelson Semedo or something like that. I think maybe when he was at Barcelona. Anyway, just a strange saga to start his time at City. And since he's been consistently nailed on as a starter for this team, he has been just so good. Pretty good, right? Just so good. Uh, he's got a wonderful right foot. It's it's not. It's not as good as Trent's, but it's it's certainly up there. I think to say it, if it's worse, that is it's still excellent. Yeah, in like, every regard, it's probably like the second best right foot in the league. You know, so yeah, uh, that's a, a good thing to have going for you. And well, like you said, I mean, he kind of runs. He kind of has like this lightning bolt pattern in how he runs on the field, where he'll kind of get to half field and then cut inside and then operate in that channel, mm -hmm. kind of more narrow. Uh, and usually the the winger will will kind of push wider out uh, to allow Kinsella to occupy the space they were in. At least that seems to be the case. And yeah, I mean he's just he's just a facilitator. Like it, it the facilitator fullback. It's just a, a thing that we're seeing in the league, and it's just really really interesting to watch. He had he had three shots in this game from right back, goal and assist. Yeah, I mean, that's just a, a, a nice little creative performance from uh, man of the defenders. Match. Yeah, absolutely. To be sure. Let's, um, let me ask you a few questions that I've written down here. Okay, so we just talked about Cancelo. Now, I have this next question about Newcastle because they were in this game. Yeah, they played. Uh, they, 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 were, they were present while Manchester City were playing because uh, they had a really, really bad performance. The field tilt of the two teams <laughs> was equal on both ends of their respective final thirds. I think it was about 25% or even 30% in Manchester city's and Newcastle's final third. And like a, uh, a like a 50% or 40% in the middle third. However, uh, one team scored zero, the other team scored four. I mean, Manchester city seemed to be giving up these areas of possession, uh, totally fine against Newcastle or, and maybe even other teams as they go forward with these fixtures. I, is this something they want to do? It feels to me that Pep told the players, don't worry about it. <laughs> Our backline's got us. 
Pretty much, yeah. I, I think that was what it was. I mean, I think I think Newcastle had some bright moments transitioning out of defense uh, and, and trying to trying to hit City on the counter. But this is just one of those games where they were getting into good spots but not taking the shot. So, and it seemed like their primary sort of release valves were Joel Linton and, and Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson, I think, had one shot on the game. So, you know, for your your starting striker at the top of your formation, you know, maybe you want a little more out of him than that. But as a team, they didn't sh- get many shots off. So, you know, it was sort of a tough performance once they got to the final third. I think, you know, they what they, what they did was they were just too slow in their sort of final movement or play, and they allowed City to get back on most of the instances where they had good chances. So, yeah, uh, Newcastle are kind of a strange team because their their goal scoring record this season's like not that bad. It's just that they can't defend to save their lives. So um, as far as as far as cities are concerned, I think this is kind of the trade off they're making. Right? They play with a high line. They like to occupy your third of the field or your half of the field, and they say, you know, there's we're going to leave all this space behind us, and if you can get the you know, three or four passes strung together to pick us apart. We're going to live with that because we like the way we can play when we have possession in your half. It's quite impressive. Uh, Newcastle have the most goals conceded in the league so far. And that's after the Leeds defeat seven to nothing against <laughs> Manchester city just Brutal. the week prior. Uh, yeah, their defense is bad. Um, Alon St. Maximin came on in the second half at the start of it. And he obviously is the uh, the shining light that Newcastle bring to the table. But, you know, um, admittedly, so here's the thing, guys. We weren't able to exactly watch much of the second half of this game because there was a minor crisis with uh, <laughs> Maddie's work that required Blair's laptop, essentially. Uh, so... Yeah, it was a bit unfortunate timing, but yeah, it's all right. I I mean, it seems like we missed the more dominant half of play for City. So, so we saw the the good side of the good side of Newcastle. Yeah, can you I, say that? I suppose you could you could probably say that. <laughs> yes. So, gosh, I mean, in this case, Blair, I I'll ask you to pick one other player that's not named Joaquincello as uh, someone that you thought stood out today uh, along Manchester City's team. Along Manchester City's team, I mean, Riyad Mahrez had a goal. Zinchenko started, which was interesting. He has had a run, yes, strangely enough. Yeah, Gabriel Jesus had a really nice assist and got into a spot that he absolutely should not have been allowed to get into. Gabriel Jesus just muscled past number 23. Uh, Murphy, Jacob Murphy. Yes. The right back. Yep, and yeah, he just kind of blew by him and then just crossed it to Mares, who I mean Sterling, who just uh, put it in. It was the easiest thing ever. Yeah. It was like, why don't you do that every time? I don't know. And like, I think it was Lascelles that was there. It might maybe it was Isaac Hayden. Somebody there. There are two defenders that should have cut off the cross across the six to oh Sterling. Yes, but they just left a nice little alley between Dubrovka and themselves that. Jay-Z just picked him up the perfect pass. and In the same vein, when Cancelo crossed it to uh, <laughs> Diaz, Diaz for the first goal, Dubravka was a wonderful spectator in that exchange. He just refused to play soccer. It, he, 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 I can't believe we didn't start with this. Uh, he, uh, 
uh, who who plays it to Cancelo? So it's Zinchenko to Cancelo, yes. and then Cancelo karate kicks it. <laughs> yeah, he does. So like Zinchenko lobs it over to Cancelo. Cancelo get like gets his foot on it just before he goes out of bounds, and it just gently lobs into the eighteen, hits the ground like right on the six yard line, or even like maybe inside it. Uh, and Dubravka and the other defenders, they're sitting there watching it. And it's not like this is a congested area that they can't move in. There's only Diaz. It's only him. And it bounces and Diaz looks around, sees nobody's moving. So he heads it in. What I don't know what Dubrovka was. I don't know if he like switched off for a moment and just wasn't able to react like he normally does. But it was just awful defending from everyone involved. It was utterly perplexing. The little dink pass from the karate kick from Cancelo kind of just Whoop, just right up over uh right up over Dubrovka. Yeah. He just kind of watches it go and is just like <laughs> Hello, hello darkness, my old friend. I don't know. He, he's just yeah. like some he's lost. He lost he lost his mind it, for a It moment. was it was impressive that Cancelo even got a foot on the ball. Yeah. But it was not an impressive cross. This no. this wasn't this pinpoint thing straight no. where it was just like Yep. Little nice little parabola. It was like um you ever see Monty Python? Yeah. It's like uh, there was that scene where the town guards are sitting there chatting, and then they see Lancelot running at the town, and it's like the dun dun dun, dun music while Lancelot's running. That switches back, and the guards are just sitting there like, "Oh, is that Lancelot?" <laughs> and it switches to Lancelot, dun 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 dun, dun, dun and then they go back to them. And it's like, "Huh, oh, yeah, what are we gonna do? Yeah. I don't know." <laughs> Uh, city were putting ladders up on the palace walls and the guards just didn't think to push the ladder back off the wall. What are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really offensive accident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. so, I mean, just bad, bad, bad Newcastle. But honestly, uh, I'm not going to veil my enthusiasm to see Newcastle go down this season. So, you know, either result here, tie, win for Newcastle, win for Man City, it would have been a win no matter what. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll move on. I don't know. You want to talk about anything else with this? No, not really. Okay. City had like 600 passes or something. And, yeah, something and Newcastle had like 200 passes. Two, it was 200, two. It was, it was brutal. Yeah. Uh, I can find it. No, one. I think it was literally like triple. It was, it, it was, was like pretty every, three for every 207 one. accurate passes yeah. to 642. Yeah. So, um, city were 91 and, that, and that's, and that's like a light passing for city. So yeah. uh, it's definitely I, in like, we noted this last season. Um, and many other people did because city won the league with their most defensive performance yet. So I think, uh, you know, Pep's definitely put up a different, uh, team strategy for the league this year uh and it's i mean it's working so you know you can't fault them yep yeah let's move on to the main fixture of the episode the tottenham hotspur against the liverpool losers just kidding (laughs) (laughs) just kidding it wasn't a loss it was a (laughs) two-two tie two to two tie when i should say losers i mean the liverpool living on the edge living on the edge i was something about the refs we're gonna cut all of this in in the in the spirit of the festive holiday season. Martin Tyler, who was the ref? Paul Paul Tierney. <laughs> Martin Tyler, the commentator. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Paul Sorry. Tierney, Kieran Tierney's dad. Yeah, he said, "You get a Christmas card, and you get a Christmas card, my friend." But who didn't get the right one? Perhaps <sighs> we can debate that. But maybe yes. Harry Kane should have been sent off. Maybe Harry Kane should just 
receives some consequences for his actions. Maybe just once, once in his every life. every now and again, just once in his life. We uh, so uh, let's frame this. Uh, Tottenham under recent tutelage of Antonio Conte come uh, and receive Liverpool away. I mean, they're they're home. Liverpool are away with some key figures from Liverpool's starting lineup out. Uh, Virgil Van Dijk out and a trio of midfielders leaving a uh, cast of James Milner, Tyler Morton, and Nabi Keita to operate for the first time in the public viewing on the big stage. And you could tell. <laughs> you could tell. Yeah. And there was there was a, a lot of scuffling, a lot of cards. The ref was giving them out like... You know, it was the holidays. Alex, uh, Alexander, Andrew Robertson got a red card for swiping, and I forget who. It was, it, I think it was Emerson, right? Emerson Royale. Yeah, yeah. Emerson was on the ball sounds, near the touchline. And, and uh, uh, Harry Kane went studs up uh, against Robertson earlier in the game, received a yellow only. Uh, so that's been the big talking point that, that, that people have been talking about because, you know, how can you have one without the other? Uh, I will not try to get too heated about this because I was pretty pissed off during the game. So we're going to, I'm going to let you do a lot of the analysis here. What am I missing here? The scoreline ended two to two. Thank you. Uh, it ended two to two. And I will say, for the record, Tottenham played the better game. Okay. They had the most chances. They were catching Liverpool out on the break with way too much space in behind them, and Allison was having to do a lot of work uh, to keep the scoreline down. Now, um, here are my questions. Strange game overall. Referring was atrocious and calls into question the inconsistency of the game. Tottenham had many chances, mostly on Kane's end. Do you think they should feel lucky or hard done by the result? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Mixed feelings. So you brought this up, but Allison was pretty busy on the day, and a lot of the work he was doing was was on moments where there were sort of marginal offsides. Maybe he was on, maybe he was off plays. And Allison was having to sweep up a lot of really dangerous moments for uh, Liverpool, particularly in the box. And he was off his line a lot. And I think that came into play on the mistake for Son's goal because he, he seemed like he felt like he had to be, you know, ever diligent, ever present. Uh, <laughs> of course. Know, always watching and waiting. So, and I, I think when you ask your keeper or when your keeper's forced into that kind of play, eventually they're going to you know, get the timing off, get the, the spacing off. And there was a couple moments like that for Allison today, which maybe leads us back into the question of why they stashed the flags for so long, but we can talk about that another day. Mm. maybe. So there was that and Liverpool were up two to one. And it was really that mistake that led to a goal for son. So yeah, I, I think in, in a sense, Tottenham would feel lucky in that in that regard but on the other other hand they had so many breakaway chances on the counter with son and kane mostly kane where or deli ali where they just were it seemed like they were mad at some at somebody at the ball at somebody sitting behind the net and they were trying to kick the ball through the net and and to knock somebody's 
head off of their shoulders. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know what exactly was going on, but they just couldn't get that last shot on goal. Kane did just, it was very unlike him. Well, not unlike him this season, but unlike (laughs) him overall throughout his career, he just couldn't quite string that final touch on the ball to put it past and into the net. And it it was weird to to see him like this because I really haven't watched much of Tottenham this year. Yeah. I don't know what Conte is going to have to do to get him back up and running, but I mean, he has to because he is, he was the leading goal scorer and the leading and the leading assister last season. Both. Yes. Yes. Very, very vital to their attack for sure. And I think you saw some of the other pieces in Tottenham's attack, you know, looking pretty good today. And Dombley had a really nice pass uh, for the, for the Kane goal. So, you know, credit to him. He played his his regular ninety of sixty four minutes, so that was a good <laughs> a good shift for him. The Intampole ninety. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, they you know they had you know Delhi got into some good areas. He he whiffed on a on a shot that he probably should have buried, but whatever. Wait, hang on. Which shot are you talking about? It was the one where it went like just wide of the right post. He didn't really whiff on it, but like he put it wide. He. So Allison got a finger on it. Oh, that's right. Allison yeah. did get a finger on he it. He got yeah. a finger on it. So this was going in and it was a it was a, it was a good shot, but yes. it was a really great save. Yes, thank Let's you. be clear. Because uh, I wanted to say Allie, Deli Alley had a great game. Especially oh, as yeah, yeah. a uh, at number ten. Um, do you think that he has a case to be a mainstay member on this uh Tottenham squad? Or do you think that maybe he should set his sights elsewhere as to be a first team player on another team whatever that may be people are pinging him as a newcastle vibes player uh in the sense that maybe high profile uh but not quite good enough for one of these higher uh bigger squads but uh i mean i think he he really showed some evidence of still having that spark that brought him onto the squad in the first place so i mean where do you stand on that i think (sighs) I think I think Conte is going to demand for obviously this is a Conte thing. He's going to demand for you know big moves in the in the January window or in the summer, and it feels like those guys who have just kind of been on the periphery for so long are probably just going to get replaced. I don't know. I mean, Ali was good, but like Conte might already have his guy in mind for that spot, and I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say. I think I kind of think if I was Ali, I would go somewhere else but that's just because his sort of career there has been so tumultuous i mean he was a, a great player for pochettino uh i think jose Mourinho hated him after loving him for a little while and now uh you know there's nuno i don't really know how nuno used him he you know nobody really use anybody yeah. at all actually <laughs> and now he's he's playing for conte and he looked good in this one match i don't know it's just kind of like how much of that can you put up with before you want to go somewhere where you feel like you have a more consistent run and are a more valued member of the squad? So I think I would probably personally move if I was him because of those reasons. But I don't know. I mean, maybe Conte sees a future in him. He's a young player and he's got good talent. So hard to say. Yeah, I. it's it's really, I think, wherever his headspace is at, probably. Yeah. Um, I think personally... He's a talented guy. Uh, he's got that. I hate it when other people say this, but he's got that X factor mm. that you. He just kind of 
is magnetic on the ball when he's on. Yeah. And he's a dead weight otherwise. So if you can, if if someone can manage to you know switch on that spark or you know whatever, then I think he'd be great. Uh, there was like a couple string of games when Mourinho first came into the squad where Delhi was crazy good. Yeah. And he kind of looked like that his old like younger self under the uh, Pochettino era. Yeah. That was it. Was just like oh yeah okay he's on now. <laughs> And then I think the the Mourinho cycle just accelerated with too fast for people, and it uh, just kind of crumbled after a while. So yeah, I, I can understand he might be super stressed through this like constant staff shifting. You know, I think anyone else would be pretty exhausted. Tottenham is a hot like a big spotlight. It's a lot of drama because it's like this this London club and it's got this you know this 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 crazy ownership and people it's. Like meme it to death because it, it's you know quote Tottenham you know it's 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 the history of Tottenham or whatever and that I, that can that's got to be wearing I mean look at the way Harry Kane tried to play it off this summer when he was just trying to get out and go to Man City and it's it's I mean it really does a number on players that you know have that ability you know we know Harry Kane has that ability and obviously. You know, I, we didn't say it before. We were just saying he's having a bad season, but that clearly has played a part in his performance so far this season. Yeah, absolutely. Especially at the start of the season. I don't think he at all, I mean, this this is obvious. I, I say a lot of obvious things that you just have to get used to that, but <laughs> he obviously did not buy into the Nuno project at all. Like he was just like, no, fuck this. Like I, th- this is not like a choice made by the club that I want to leave to go yeah. win. This is not a choice that's being made as like a win now decision. It's like Daniel Levy's like, I know you want to go to Manchester City, <laughs> current champions, Guardiola. and play for Pep Guardiola, or, yeah. or here, hear me out, Nuno Santos. Yeah. How do you feel? Yeah. How do you feel? About Sexy, right? Nuno Espirito. Love the beard. Santos. Love the beard. Yeah, he's got a great beard and mustache. <sighs> yep. Okay. I've got a question, Jacob. Yeah, sure. What do you think about how Liverpool set up or... Let me rephrase this. Do you think Liverpool needed to make a earlier tactical change to counter the sort of slicing and dicing that Tottenham was doing through the midfield uh, on the counter? Or was this just a, we don't have any options here <laughs> at the moment, and this is what we've got. So. Um, yeah, that's... So I was thinking about that during the game because, uh, and I'll say, I'll, I'll tell you why, Blair. Everyone knows this, and but I'm going to reiterate it because I think this is something that kind of gets lost. Virgil Van Dyke is our fastest center back, bar yeah. like not, like not even close. Good player, yeah, and so he can easily keep up with these fast breaks that Son was like pushing onto us constantly. I mean, I, there, there's got to be like five or six times where Tottenham would be on the break and there would just be acres of space. And yeah, Andrew Robertson would just be like. Where the hell is he? <laughs> and like the wing would just be wide open. Uh, and so Verge has got this great quality where uh, he just kind of gallops and he just calmly takes down the player and it moves on. And you don't really notice it because it's so casual. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like he's sprinting. So you think, oh, he's got it. Yeah, he instills a lot of faith. Yeah, and, and I think that that's one of those things that like... Uh, if you have it on your team, you don't notice it until it's gone, like just now. And so uh, Max Hip and Kanade partnership still needs way more time to develop because they, how many times have they partnered this season? Uh, maybe once or twice. 
And Joe Gomez is now this, uh, was this starter with Verge during the title winning season, but now through injury and just a series of unfortunate events has now been relegated to the bench and cannot uh, play with the starters. Matip, ball playing center back, goes on these crazy runs forward sometimes, and like he goes off on an adventure. So, and he brings that offensive threat, but that always makes me a little scared if the ball gets lost and then the counter's on. Yeah, I think I think that there was an instance of that too in this game where Matip made actually like a really nice run, and he got like very nearly like maybe just a step outside of the box, and then you know he tried to play a pass through to Jota, I believe. Yeah, but it was cut out, and then the transition was on, and Matip was way upfield. Yeah, like. yeah, it's. Exactly, and I, and I mentioned all these defensive people uh, in in lieu of your question about like a early sub because uh, I think people will pile on the defensive errors because Liverpool got scored on twice, but that's not the issue. The defense was fine. Kanade is fine. Uh, it's the midfield that I think created these holes. I'm not ragging on any one of them individually. I just think these three as a system is just was just throwing them into the fire here. And they didn't come out. They came out, you know, burned. And that's, I, I think that should be expected. Tyler Morton is a young kid. I mean, I'm looking at his picture right now, and yeah. he, he's a high schooler. He can't buy beer. Yeah, yeah in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm looking at the bench, and I see Ox, uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is on the bench. And I'm thinking, why not just put him in? Mm-hmm. Or why not start Firmino? Or, uh, no, that's it. That's it. That's our bench. <laughs> yeah. And so like, uh, and I'm not going to claim to know, like, I'm not going to say that that was the best decision. Cause like, you know, you don't know the status of the squad really. Yeah. Like all we're doing is postulating from our nice chairs, uh, after watching they our nice. performance. Well, they're, not, they're actually, it's, these are quite bad for your spine after a while. That's the chairs true. we're sitting in. Um, I will pay dearly for sitting in these chairs. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe uh, maybe Ox was wasn't didn't like had a bad week of practice, and maybe Firmino is still struggling with his injury. So you know, who's to really say? But this midfield was the crux of it, and the fact that he didn't make his first substitute until the 60th minute, I believe, was a mistake. So you you take Morton off at the 46th minute. Yeah, you've seen you've seen the first half. And you saw the immediate defensive errors. And you know Conte's team is one that relies on incredible mental fortitude and something that he can and has proven to do repeatedly and still in teams. So yeah. what's to believe that Tottenham will be the exception? You know, well. it's not... <laughs> it's, I mean, like, it's not like... It's not like... Um, it's like it's not like they uh, have this, this witch's curse on the team, and like no matter what they do, they'll always. It's like the the Chicago Cubs, you know, they were cursed for a century, and like they never won the the World Series ever. But if so, they'll come back, and they did. And I'll say that the second goal that Tottenham scored was really bad luck. Because so for those of you who didn't watch, uh, Allison makes this run up to sweep the ball away from. Son and he does this. He goes out of his box and he scares all of us and he sweeps it, but he misses the ball. And Son has this open net in front of him and he just puts it away. Yep. Yeah, it was it had to have been very demoralizing. Yep. Um yeah. It was I don't know, it was a good heads up play, I guess, but it was just like Allison just sort of whiffed and suddenly Son was like, Oh wow. 
Ooh, I can't lose my luck. <laughs> oh, this is very interesting. Let's continue. Yeah, uh, I didn't want to talk about too much about Liverpool, though, because we've talked a lot about them, and we hadn't talked about Tottenham in a while. So Yeah, that's true. Um, Tottenham, I think, put in the best counterattacking performance I've seen yeah. them do in a long time. In, I've it, seen from most teams this season, they looked like really, really dangerous and ready to spring on the counter. It was pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, I mean, and like I think they had a better like per Opta two point four six expected goals one point six five. I mean, that's just yeah. that's that's really good. And like they had the higher chances, six big chances. Yeah. So I'm not saying that Tottenham shouldn't have won or tied here. It was just, it was a weird game, and I wish it would have been a ref better. That's all I wanted. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, I'll speak for you, Jacob. This was horrible officiating. Horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> Harry Kane had a studs-up sliding tackle on Robertson that I'm sure was still in the back of his mind for the rest of the game when he, you know, cleared out uh, Emerson Royale on his straight red foul, which might have been harsh depending on how you look at it so that was like it's like if if the cane was if the cane follow was a red then sure maybe robertson's was a red um but like i don't know it seemed to be very inconsistent yeah there was a moment in the box where emerson definitely threw an elbow and stuck a leg in front of joda's path um threw an elbow into joe's back and then kind of stuck his leg out in front of him that wasn't called which to me looked like a pretty clear penalty wasn't given. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was just really poorly officiated. The control of the game was lacking, and it was a very chippy uh, physical match. And the cards seemed to just come out arbitrarily. Like it seemed like when Paul Tierney or whatever Paul when, Tierney, yeah, when he when he felt like maybe it was slipping from his grasp, which by the way, Paul had been out of your grasp for a long time. He would just kind of throw a yellow out to try to calm people down. Yeah, but like, yeah, the administration of it was just so poor on the day. It was so. one of those uh, games where I wish that the studio had one of like a former Premier League ref to call yeah. during like the foul review and be like, "Hey, was this a foul?" Yeah. Um, you know, Mark and uh, Martin Tyler. Jeez, now you've got me saying it. Uh, uh, Mark Anthony Cuban. No, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, one of the one what of the, the hell's going on here? One of the former Premier League referees. So you know, if we could just get like a, because uh, you know, I think a lot of people just really don't know what a foul is, and myself included, especially with this game, I can get caught up in like wanting Liverpool to get you know see Kane off of the red, but. Uh, I would love to see that. Yeah. And so I would just love, you know, more educated opinion on this because it, it was a studs up. It hit Robertson. He fell down. You know, I don't care if he didn't break his leg. That was a dangerous and reckless play. And Robertson then kicks out uh, Emerson Royale's feet and he receives a straight red, even though it's clear that he's going for the ball. He just did it in a really bad way. So it, it, you, you can't have one without the other. That's it. It's, yeah. That's it. Yeah, we were saying, I put my Arsenal hat on here, but I was saying that what Robertson did was very, very much similar to what James MacArthur did to Saka uh, in our, ma- our home match against Crystal Palace. I think it was James MacArthur, where he goes to like try to volley a ball that's like he just gets nowhere near it. And then he kicks Saka in the back of the leg, like full strength, and knocks him to the ground. And that eventually brought Saka out of the game. Um, and there wasn't even a foul or a, a booking for that play. So 
you know, it's like the administration of fouls or the, you know, administration of these games between, between games, within games. It's just so inconsistent across the board. And it's just like, this is the thing that's been happening for so long with yeah. the Premier League. Like, yeah. everyone's like, the Premier League refs are just so inconsistent. And it's worse than, like, any other league. It is. It Yeah. I mean, like, how hard can it be just to vet people? I think people... It's not like they don't have people to pick from for these games. You would think that they could lure yeah. top talent referees yeah. or whatever. Whatever that league. means. Yeah. And, or just increase the pay to get better guys. Yeah, wh- whatever it takes. You know, this is like a multi-billion dollar machine that yeah. you're running here. And you can't pay an extra 100000 a year for better refs. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a a literal drop in the bucket. Yeah, it's it is it's, it's shocking. You li- yeah. you literally have a guy that's watching the game on TV for every single game now. Yeah, you you have VAR. You have the benefit of seeing things. <laughs> you in have replay. the do over button. There's five thousand cameras in these stadiums. How yeah. are they not catching these things? Like I, it's and just like, shocking. Look, and, and the argument is, you don't want VAR to break up the flow of the game. That's that's legitimate. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. But this was a studs up play. Yeah. You can't just <laughs> walk away from the thing. Well, we don't want to interrupt the flow of the game. You could have broken Robertson's <laughs> legs. If, if if Robertson's leg was planted in the ground, that would have been a very that would, that would have been an ankle serious. broken. Simikas, better get your boots on for yeah. the rest of the season. It kid. could have been real yeah. bad. And the only reason that it wasn't just because Robertson was kind of jumping yeah. in the air when okay. he caught him. We're, I'm sorry. I'm getting a bit worked up about this. Uh, Blair, last question. Where do you think Tottenham finished at the end of the season? Uh, I'm going to say sixth. Okay. Sixth? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Arsenal? I'm going to say sixth. <laughs> you I think they're going to tie and <laughs> we'll be ahead on goal difference. All right. So you'll be fifth, right? Yeah. Right. I, I like... As an Arsenal fan, I did not want to see Tottenham getting any points from this match, obviously. Um, getting a point here, I think, is big. I would be very happy with the point at home from playing against Liverpool uh, if I'm Tottenham or if I'm Arsenal. Okay. So, and they have three more games to play to make up uh, the pace for the for the league. They're right. on. The benefit being, though, is that those games will be congested while yours will not. Yes. So we'll see how that how that goes, but... I, yeah, the finishing positions like right now, I still think Arsenal could be anywhere from like fifth to ninth, honestly. So we'll see what happens. But um, they, at the moment, are kind of in control of their own destiny. So, and that's that's sort of new territory for for Arsenal in the last few seasons. So, very well. Uh, and that concludes our coverage of Tottenham Liverpool. Moving on, we also watched a Sevilla Atletico Madrid. Um, we, we went down south. How, how about this? <laughs> it was a match, and we watched it, and we did talk about it in the intro, so we're going to talk about it now. I did not like this game. It yes. was hard to watch. It, <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Uh, there's a bit in 30 Rock where... Tracy Morgan makes this movie called Hard to Watch. <laughs> it's just like this really like insensitive movie. But yeah, this this was kind of like that. It was it was hard it to was, watch. We you know, we watch the occasional like big Bundesliga fixture or like Syria. I'm like, yeah. wow, why don't we watch more of these games? Yeah. This one, it was like, you know, I'm okay. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll pass. <laughs> yeah. Sevilla won a two uh Atletico uh to sorry, Sevilla won W O N with two goals, and Atletico lost with one goal. 
And uh, most of it was just the midfield and total chaos and various uh, possession switches happening. I go compost with the final goal. Yeah. That yeah. Was, okay. So the goals were like, at least the Sevilla goals came like either by miracles. <laughs> the hand of God but himself. Actually, both of them were kind of yeah, miracles. Yeah. <laughs> so Rakitic scores the first in like seven minutes and it's just, just, just rocket. Insane. Yeah. We were both screaming. <laughs> and it just came out of nowhere. Like Rakitic has not dipped. He's great. Love him. Yes. Uh, he just, he just said, he's like full send. Bam. Yeah. Goal. Oh my God. And then the great settling happened. Yeah, um, yeah. It was like watching a. It was like when you're in an old house and you hear the floors kind of creaking. And you're like, yeah. is this place haunted yeah. or is it just old? It, it kind of ended up with me and Blair surfing the internet for one euro Italian homes to <laughs> fantasize about our life in Europe. Yeah, living in the yeah. Tuscan countryside, just doing yeah. a soccer podcast while drinking very nice vintage wines, vinos, if you will. Yes, uh, and having very bad Italian uh, accents. <laughs> yeah. It's just- <laughs> let's not do, let's not try not gonna, right now we're not gonna um yeah so uh the thing i wanted to say about that game and then we can move on we don't have to dwell too much on it is that uh you know the, the popular consensus is that the spanish league is at the moment the least desirable to watch because it's the most defensive and i think the trend or the the overall group thought on the stereotypes of each league is that the italian league is the most offensive uh the bundesliga is the most open the premier league is the toughest uh the french league is a farmer's league and the spanish league is the uh, the fluid, the dynamic offensive league where all of the flourishes happen. Juego de posición. Vamos. Whatever. Yes. And so uh, that, I think, is not the case this year. And there's a large talent gap between uh, a lot of the teams now in the Spanish League and throughout the rest of the other leagues in Europe, uh, not counting Portugal, because that's, I think, a bit more of a nuanced topic. So I just tallied up the goals to really just get a quick litmus test on like whether or not this was actually true. So for everyone's record, as at the point of calculation, so it could be different depending on when you're listening to this, uh, the, uh, the Italian league actually has the most goals with 543. The second most is the French league with 506. Then we see the German league with 469, the English league with 462, and then the Spanish league is way down at 422. So there's more than a 100-point gap of goals between Italy and Spain, which is crazy to me. Yeah, it's it's a big dip for sure. And I don't know, I would like to see maybe historical trends on this and to see how they've kind of shifted. Because I remember for a while, the German league was kind of viewed as like where like defense is being coached. And then like that seems to have just flipped on its head. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah. Wait, well, now, now we're gonna fire up the main cannon or whatever. Well, because like German was like, ah, the the full pressing, the full field pressing, yeah. and the and the and the what, what they call it, the rock heavy metal football, yeah, you know, heavy um, metal football, yeah. And then the then the Italian school of defense, right? And so like, you know, if I have to make a tackle, I've already made a mistake, you know, all of that jazz. <laughs> and so, yeah, and these, these stereotypes I think kind of get entrenched after a while because you know, uh, like, I, like I like to sound educated, but really that's just something that someone said so, like some time ago, and then I've just internalized it. So, 
Um, I think this is good to say Spanish league, maybe not quite as exciting. Uh, and that'd be a cool thing to investigate that we could do Blair. Sure. Um, maybe we will, if we ever get time, uh, Blair works a lot. So, uh, that's in the hours. Yeah. Yeah. So if we, if we get a second between the, uh, match broadcasts for sure, um, let's move on to, unless you wanted to add something, Blair, sorry. Yeah. Um, are we moving off the game? Yeah, uh, yeah. I was unless you wanted, unless you had points or whatever. You yeah, I just wanted to mention that Sevilla sit in second right now. Uh, this is a good win for them, and their record at home is quite solid. They've got seven wins, one draw, and zero losses on home turf. So that's a pretty solid performance for them. Sevilla look like a team that, yeah, could be maybe contending for a title. Real Madrid would have to do some slipping, but yeah. Uh, this I don't know. It's been it's been a little while for Sevilla, I think, since they've been kind of in serious contention for a title. Former uh, Real Madrid manager Julian Lopetegui has a chance for glory here. Yeah, um, and this is Madrid's game league to lose at this point. Yeah, it's it still is. It still is. So yes. Okay, so we have some listener questions, and by listener, we do mean our dear roommate Zach. Mikowski. That's right. Shout out. Uh, he has three questions for us. Blair, I'm going to read them to you. Okay. I don't know if you've seen these before. Is there a national team that would win the Champions League? France. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else? Uh, current form? Current teams? Yeah. Current teams. Let's say that they, for whatever reason, the national team is playing against the club teams. And if yeah. they're duplicate players, they are exact clones of themselves and they won't explode because one is made of matter and one is made of antimatter. <laughs> so, I mean, like, the obvious... Oh, England. Okay. I think England would definitely do it. And then the other two. I mean, we're talking about the Euros. Yeah, we're so just rehashing the Euros. We're just rehashing <laughs> the Euros. But, like... Yeah, okay. I, I Germany and Italy. That's an interesting conversation. Uh, yeah. So it was like it was. It was so my Spain, thing, my yeah. floor, it was like Belgium, maybe Belgium. Yeah, uh, Portugal, Netherlands. Oh, yeah, Italy. <laughs> forgot about Portugal. We forgot. It's okay. Now I think France is like really the the best answer, or Italy because they won the Euros. But if you assembled, here's the thing. I don't think a national team would be the club side. It's happened before, like, club sides have played national teams. But that was, like, back in the old days. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at how national team soccer goes, like, it's sort of, they're set up pretty defensively. And, like, I don't know, man. Like, Gareth Southgate's not, like, he's not going to, like, try to, like, out tactics. (laughs) Pep I'm just picturing yeah, <laughs> City against like England. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like Raheem Sterling's like I don't know. What yeah, to do. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. torn in half. Yeah, it's an interesting question because like if you looked at on paper, yeah, and if you if you turned England into England like football club, LLC, yeah, like what would their wage bill be like? Oh my gosh, what would their squad value be? You know, like they would probably be like the most one of the most expensively assembled teams. Harry Kane in the would world. be on a winning team, maybe. <laughs> Yet, I don't know. Not yet. Yeah, I, I think this is a good question for like over a beer, and you're having a ridiculous argument that you want a small hill to die on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe France. I think. 
Yeah, like France feels like they could do it. France has a bunch of really, really good players. And they keep coming. And they just, they don't stop. Jules Koundé, great player for Sevilla. Yeah. Oh, yeah, literally. Okay, um, Okay. next question from Zach. Who in the English Premier League would, which team, sorry, should I say, uh, which team in the English Premier League would beat the U.S. men's national team? No, 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 other way around, right? Which team would the U.S. national teams beat? Ah, yep. Who? So would the United States men's national team beat any team in the Premier League? No. That was my thought. I don't think we'd beat <laughs> a single thought. team. Yeah. I don't think we'd beat yeah. Watford no. or Norwich. No, I don't no, think so. Fall apart. Yeah, I think I Norwich think would. would I, need, I think Norwich would be close, but I, I just can't see us defending against the Premier League side at any point. I think Burnley might smash us. We see that that's the thing. I think we try to play against Burnley and like fall into the trap. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't have that faith. No. <laughs> no. But that's good because we'll never have to answer that question. So who's to say, really, Zach? Who's to say? Uh and his last question, which fan base is the most biased among Premier League teams? Uh, and that's to say, which fan base is the most obstinate? Which fan base that tends to be the most obnoxious, perhaps? Which fan base is the loudest and most annoying? And the answer to you, Zach, is by and away, Liverpool. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not, are you sure it's not Arsenal? <laughs> because sometimes I wonder. <laughs> well, I say, depending on where you're entrenched and how deep you are entrenched, it could be any one of them. Any one of the 20 at any point in time. Yes. Um, I think famous ones are Manchester United because they yes. have attracted so much silverware. And really any Twitter user that has a player profile instead of themselves. Oh, just the worst, dude. Uh, like... I don't know if I want to wade into this territory, but if somebody is tweeting about Arsenal and they have a Mesut Ozil photo in their Twitter avatar profile pic, you just don't, don't engage. Just don't engage. (laughs) You are going to get into some bad, bad shit. Just right away. (laughs) It's an instant trap. Instant. Immediately. No. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's the profiles that are like, it's, it's got a picture of Ronaldo. Um, but then in the bio, it's new England, LA and then Yankees. It's like you, the you're the worst person on earth. <laughs> I see you've diversified very well here. Um, could, could you maybe just go one or the other? Yeah. yeah. And it's, and I think that's part of the, uh, the, the, maybe, uh, the, for me anyway, it's part of the, the guilt trip for Americans is that, Oh, I can I'm from D- uh, Detroit, Michigan, basically. And yes. I can, I, I am a fan of the Lions, the Pistons, the Tigers, and the Wings. Uh-huh. Yeah. Three it's of these four are not successful franchises in any way. Yeah. And uh, so um, I, I'm also a fan of Liverpool, and it's this 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 soul light in this horrid maelstrom of <laughs> Lions losses, of Pistons just blowouts. Yeah. And it's a small comforting thought. The Pistons just continually, like, just rip your heart out. Like, yeah. They they get a nice lead and they just lose it. And uh, I've definitely paid attention to them way more this season. Yeah. Uh, by through the um, efforts of NBA TV and uh, who life sports uh, sponsor. Yes. And uh, <laughs> um, they, they are very bad. If you don't follow NBA basketball, uh, <sighs> who Newcastle. Alan St. Maximin is Cade Cunningham and the Yeah. And the the Pistons that's are like, Newcastle. Yeah, it's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. And Callum Callum Wilson's probably Jeremy Grant 
And yeah, and um, I've been thinking about NBA parallels to soccer team to the Premier League soccer teams quite a lot actually, because I think the closest uh, corollary between Liverpool and the NBA is probably the Warriors. Yeah, really. Yeah, and I think that is Steph Salah. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think that it's what's interesting about both of them is that they're both like elite movers. They have incredibly good like awareness on the court and on the field, and they move very, very well. Um, and I also, Draymond Green is probably one of the greatest defensive players of all time and anchors their defense in a way that Virgil van Dyke does. So, okay. There's also other parallels like the Brendan Rodgers to Jurgen Klopp thing. There was the Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr thing where Steve Kerr sort of revolutionized their offense and made it into something that the NBA has never seen before. And they turned into something that became uh, Steph Curry breaking the three-point shooting record, all-time made uh, three-point field goals with, like, years to go in his career. Um, you know, 72 or 70, 73 and 9 season, the greatest record of all time. Still so, losing. Didn't win the championship. Here's but. the difference. Here's the difference between Steve Kerr and uh, and Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp's highest level of play professionally was in the second tier of the Bundesliga. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Steve Kerr literally played For, on the Chicago <laughs> Bulls championship. The dynasty. Yeah. yeah. So maybe good close. player in his own right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's that's good actually. That would be actually fun to do a video for that to be like matchup teams. Or like groups of teams, maybe because there's more NBA teams than there are Premier League teams. Yes. So like we could, hmm. There's an idea. There's an idea somewhere in there. Yeah. We have to write these things down. Uh, the plan is maybe to uh, become a little bit more active on the YouTube channel if we get the time. If we get the time. There's no promises anywhere in this video. Um. So the Plastics Podcast uh, LLC is going to be taking a small two week hiatus for the holidays. Uh, get some time away from the TV, spend some time with the family, uh, maybe forget about soccer for uh, a couple weeks. So we will see you in the new year with new content. Yeah, soccer might be forgetting about soccer for a few weeks. I think there's been some rumors that the festive fixtures, Boxing Day, uh, the 28th and the 29th fixtures might all be in jeopardy of being postponed. So... So it would be a perfect time to stop a podcast with regular scheduling. Um, exactly. So we can talk about uh, all the new things that happen. We'll ha probably have a pretty packed episode after New Year's uh, with all of the events that happened while we were gone, um, all of the new things that are happening internationally. I know the U.S. played Bosnia yesterday. We didn't watch it. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, and maybe uh, because like the 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 World Cup. Um, playoffs for the euros the european teams are on uh yeah. and so that champions league premier league every all the leagues all the th actions everything that you could ever want it never stops don't not pay attention give us your money so <laughs> ooh, that was a lot um anything else blair i i'm we're, we're at the end of our agenda so this is all free for now we're just yeah we're riffing um i had this whole thing i was gonna do talking about gabrielle martinelli we could probably just cut this. What about the Chaka Saka Laka? <laughs> Chaka Saka Laka yeah. foot flame. <laughs> <laughs> um, where it was going to be like Gabriel Martinelli versus the uh, showing up to the Jedi Academy like Anakin Skywalker and the kid opening the door and going, 
Master Anakin, <laughs> what do we do? They've got a Brazilian forward. And too many of them, Master Anakin, what are we going to do? Yeah. And then uh, he just unleashes the lightsaber. But anyway, that was a, we can just cut that anyway. You should, no, you um, should send that to Martinelli. He might post it on his Instagram story. He, that's true. Maybe we can make it real and then tag him. Yeah. He might, he might <laughs> do, do it. Do. Come on, we should. <laughs> Maddie, yeah. consider it. Yeah, Maddie, this is a note to you. Yeah. Um, like when it cuts to his face where he's like does like the like eyes down yeah. thing he's like i'm gonna kill all these maybe, kids maybe, maybe blair can send you the pictures so you can get an idea of what we're talking about yes um yeah anyway uh blair <laughs> thank you for your insight and thank you for all of the information you provide on this podcast do you have anything to close hope everybody has a happy holidays i have had a lot of fun doing this and it's been a I don't know, a good first half season in the books for us at Plastics Podcast. Yeah. Jacob, I've enjoyed taking this journey with you and with all of our listeners. And I hope that you have a happy holidays. Enjoy time with your family. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And uh, yeah, cheers. Thank you, Blair. Uh, the same to you. And yeah, I think everyone uh, enjoy your holiday breaks. Enjoy uh, the the amount of fixtures, the amount of soccer that you'll hopefully be seeing over the winter break. And uh, that'll be all from us. Please, Blair, take us away. 